0: what is going on everybody welcome into another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous thursday August 10th, 2023, as always, I'm your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, Stuart Turley, my man. How we doing today? This is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Man, I was in Fort Worth today. You got to love it. You were driving all over the place today, surviving that excessive heat warning that seems to be a staple on my phone now, so we hope everybody is staying, staying cool right now, but we have an absolutely fire show lined up for you guys today. First up on the menu, Grand Canyon Monument won't end fight over uranium mining. Ooh, done, dun, done, done. Something that's near and dear to our heart. Uranium mining. That's a joke, but uh we'll cover what's going on in the Grand Canyon. Next up, Greek ship owners control 21% of global tonnage and 100% of all tzatziki sauce. Um, I added the last part, but uh, Greek owning about 21% um, of global tonnage uh, for LNG specific or shipping tonnage. Stu will dive into what that means for the global energy market at large. Next up, Russia anticipates 11 billion energy revenue boost despite embargoes. In the words of Stu, sanctions don't work. And finally, we'll end with two opinion articles. First up, Rex Murphy, Trudeau carbon tax is nothing more than a senseless money grab completely agree with him there. The next up, our favorite random guy on Substack, David Blackman, is the green energy transition falling off the rails. Um, We'll see what David has to say. Stu will kick it over to me. We'll cover a a pretty great day in oil. We topped over $84 for the first time, uh, really, I think in 2023. So great, great, great news to see on the oil and gas front. We did see natural gas spike all the way up to $2.96. Do I hear the bull market coming, baby? It's perfect. I got you know, Goldman Sachs is on the line with. Do they've got me lined up for their Nat Gas interview? <laughs> um, in bullish interviews, but uh, um, we will then quickly cover EIA. We did see a little bit of a build, but clearly didn't affect the oil markets much. And then an interesting um, proposal out of Whitehawk Energy. Two of the, a a, um, a minerals company is is trying to go to the people to force another minerals company to buy them in, in, in what they would consider a stock for stock transaction. We'll we'll read the uh, um, press release. And I, I think it's kind of interesting. And uh, I mean, I want to do the same thing with us and, and Aramco, but we'll dive into to all that and a bag of chips at the end, guys. But first, check us out. World's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy news. Dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your data and energy news combo. Get it well, you still can't. Definitely go behind a paywall. A uh, big shout out to Stu and the team for keeping up Energy Newsbeat. They do a great job. It's really, I mean, I'm telling you, it's the place to be um, for all of your energy news. I mean, you can hit the description below, questionsenergynewsbeat.com. And again, that description below. Um, if you're listening to this on podcast, going to tell you how to get in contact with the show and links to all of the articles, which are courtesy that world's greatest website. Kick us off, Stu. Are we starting with the Grand Canyon? Yeah, let's
1: start with the Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon Monument won't end fight over uranium mining. You know, you can't buy a good Grand Canyon story. I rappelled into the Grand Canyon in college, had these mules running up and down the thing. It was never mind. I'm regressing. Okay, if President (laughs) Joe Biden creates a national monument around the Grand Canyon, that doesn't mean the long fight over potential uranium mining in the area will end this beloved President Chowderhead. President Chatterhead, we could use that. He is traveling to Arizona where he actually was interviewed by Michael, the Weather Channel. I I, am sorry. Hard-hitting interview by the Weather Channel. Biden has faced increasingly- I'm
0: glad my grandma saw that interview then. Do what? I'm glad my grandma saw that interview then. Oh, my goodness. Every grandma in America saw
1: that interview. In recent months a coalition of bipartisan lawmakers and tribes including the Hazapawa and Hopi have pushed an administration to reach the 1.1 million acre I, I don't even want to pronounce this the Baha Naavi Yucatán Grand Canyon National Monument um, so, so so let's let's stop walk me back here Stu so I assume
0: the area around the Grand Canyon. Is rich in minerals. Is that basically yeah, what's happening uranium. here? And there's a new and and so what there's this new bill that's if you establish a natural a national monument or a national park, you then can't necessarily drill that. Is that or mine it? Is you that can't open mine? Open on? mine.
1: That is correct. And the open mine in there is uh uranium. Here he is, he's saying, Yes, we want nuclear, and then no, we're not going to mine. And the area that they're talking about, after being in the Grand Canyon, you can enjoy the beauty from the bottom looking up. It is spectacular. We need to guard that. I'm not saying that that is not something we got to guard. But where this um, proclamation in 1996 barred new mineral leases, mining claims, prospecting or exploration activities. They're reaching way outside where they were already approved for mining. So what they're now doing is they're going, oh, we want these other million acres over here. So it's unlikely that any existing claims would be valid. So they're going retro.
0: Here's the and this is this highlights the unfortunate truth. About the energy transition and specifically the move to renewables under the current, you know, solar, wind, EV battery, all that is right. that we need minerals. People want, they don't want it's it's the old adage with um with homes, not in my backyard. Nimbys are everybody alive. wants EV, Everybody wants batteries, everybody wants a Tesla until the mine's gotta now come in your backyard. Well, I don't want the mine there where the uranium is. So this highlights an interesting conundrum that we're <laughs> I don't think anyone really knows how to solve. And it's why up until now, we've been okay outsourcing that to other parts of the world, China, Africa, eventually to support the amount of, you know, minerals that we're going to need. I, I, I I happen to know a little bit about this subject. The amount of minerals that we're going to need is going, we're going to have to come here home and get them at some point we're going to, we're not going to, and if, if China controlling 90% of the critical minerals market, if we, for, for right. the eventual war that we're, that our our leaders tend to you know want to get us in with, you know, world war three or four, whichever one we're going to get in with China, right. we know that's coming, you know, no one do you know, when, when, when that happens, we're in trouble. So, that's what I think that's what this article, in my opinion, highlights specifically is. OK, well, then but it also- wait, we're not going to get your rating from the Grand Canyon. Cool. I think we should keep the Grand Canyon as a national monument. You don't have to. I'll, There's I'll lots on that train. I like you. the Grand Canyon. I've never seen it with my own eyes. The problem is you start doing this to every single place. You're going to run out of minerals. So where's the medium?
1: Here's the here's the gotcha. And I, since I have been at the grand bottom of the Grand Canyon, uh, many many miles rappelling in, love it. The problem is, the United States gets sixty percent of its uranium from China, Russia. Oh, guess who bought most of our uranium supplies? Russia. Russia. Guess who sold them to Russia? Bill and Hillary Clinton. I am not kidding. So when you sit back and take a look, we now have a place that you can you can actually have a uranium mine and it won't impact the Grand Canyon. How this plays into these next two articles is about Russia's control. You walked right into that one, didn't you? (laughs) I walked Anything to get a
0: Clinton initiative in there, you'll take. So what's what's next, Stu?
1: Okay, let's go to your favorite topic, the dark fleet. You know, I almost want to get at Darth Vader. We're talking about the dark fleet. You know, uh, Greek owners control 21% of global tonnage. This has a lot to do with the dart fleet. There's five thousand five hundred and twenty Greek merchant fleet having grown by fifty percent in the last ten years. This is one of the main areas. More than forty percent of the eco-friendly oil tankers and sixteen percent of the LNG carriers being built today will be delivered to Greeks. The average age of the Greek is ten years, uh, not people but the fleet is average 10 years um that's huge when you sit back and take a look greek shipping is the main facilitator of the transport of essential goods in terms of controlling 31.27% of the world's oil tanker fleet 25% of the world bulk carriers 22% of the lng carriers Fifteen percent of chemical and product tankers, and eleven percent of LPG carriers, and uh, the nine percent of the cargo. These guys are on the throat of energy. Mm -hmm. Think about that. They really are. They,
0: they, they. Obviously, they have a location advantage being there in the Mediterranean. They're extreme. You know, being a port, basically every part of Greece (laughs) is available via a port. So you have a (laughs) lot of places to dock these things they've they identified early on. I mean, this is something that goes back years now with the Greek economy. It's not necessarily. Right. Um, and, you know, remember, you know, when I was, you know, you know, coming up in and really learning about what was going on in the world, all I remember was Greece was always going bankrupt, 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 bankrupt. And what you don't what you realize now that I didn't realize then was part of the reason they were able to get they were keep getting bailed out was because of their importance to the energy ecosystem. You don't realize that at least me, when you first, oh, Greece is going bankrupt. Let them go bankrupt. Cool. Do you want oil? You know, I mean, because seriously, when you talk about, I mean, even though that they've, you know, they they said they've increased their fleet, you're still talking about 10 years ago, there were still 2,500 Greek vessels, which was still probably the same, you know, 20, 25% of the market. So, right. You know, it's the last bastion that Greeks really has besides, you know, with Santorini, you got you got ships and Santorini. It's all you got.
1: Um, but anyway, I thought it was pretty interesting because this is uh, they're covering for the Dark Fleet. And I'm I'm just it's the way it is. And they're they're right in the middle of selling the old ships, new ships. They're a ship broker, if you would. All right. So let's go to the next one, Michael. Russia anticipates $11 billion energy boost despite embargoes. Embargoes only get, uh, sanctions only get the consumers in the drive through Russia is expecting extra oil and gas revenues to reach 1 trillion rubles or 11 billion in the last five months of the year despite sanctions. Wow. Wow, the, the finance minister hopes to put the fat revenues toward covering his budget deficit, which has bloomed thanks to the war. I'll tell you, we called it last year. You know, you want to call whatever it is. I was going to I said this is not going to hurt Putin. And so far, the ruble has weakened compared to the dollar, which means more rubles and the additional uh, revenue for the government. The extra windfall from oil and gas revenue comes even as their gas revenues fell by 47%, even though that they did. Now, Russia is going to be dropping their production by 3 million barrels. I got to figure out where that is coming into play and how it is in OPEC plus as they're going to be dropping that in. So uh, 300,000 barrels, excuse me, a day is what they're going to be dropping. Three million a day. That's a little much, but uh, no, 300,000. So that's not much, but it is significant.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, guys, sanctions, they don't work. Sure. Oh, there it is. It's in the bottom line. Russia might not may have made more money if we didn't have sanctions, but Oil stands at 85 bucks right now, guys. But you know what? Sorry. Sanctions don't work.
1: No. And you know what? If I I was in Russia's shoes, I would say to the U.S. as well, too. I mean, when you weaponize the dollar, you get back at you. All right. All right. Let's go to the next one here.
0: These two opinion articles here. Uh, One of them. We got first up Rex Murphy, Trudeau carbon tax, nothing more
1: than a senseless money grab. I'll tell you, if this is him in the picture, he looks like either a Muppet um, or it looks like Oscar, you know, with glasses all cleaned up, uh, you know, out of anyway, in this opinion article, liberals don't even like to call it a tax. They the phrase you hear is climate ministers in the Green Warrior. Justin Trudeau says putting a price on pollution. Michael, you can't tax carbon. All you're going to do is people that produce carbon are going to buy it and then pass the p- cost on to the consumers. It does not change anybody's behavior. They won't call the carbon tax what it is. Uh, they call it what it is not. You put another name on something only when you are or should be ashamed of it. Thought that was pretty cool. Liberals desperate to sell the senseless curb on growth and industry had to con- In some moronic twist of logic and a reality to justify it. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Here's where I agree and disagree with, with, with our boy Rex here. Uh, (laughs) I I agree with him on the fact where he says, Hey, they don't, they're, they're masking this carbon tax in all of this other swanky terminology, which just call it a tax. Where I disagree with him is that if you actually look at the literature, something I've done unfortunately because I've been required to, unfortunately, um it's not fun to read through papers that are, you know, peer-reviewed articles talking about the difference between, you know, what's more effective, carbon tax, different types of carbon markets, if you were to do a meta-analysis of all of those and lay out the pros and cons and lay out where it's worked, where it hasn't, that meta-analysis would show most likely The most effective way to handle lowering emissions is through carbon taxes. It's the reason why the API has come out and supports a carbon tax. The American Petroleum Institute. There's a reason why he has come out. You said carbon tax Carbon tax Tax. because carbon markets can be gamed. And generally they're going to be gamed for the big guy. You don't think Exxon Mobil is going to spend a lot of money to figure out how to game the system so that they get all the permits. Come on, people. Come on. Wake up. Hello, McFly. You know, wake up. So you tax it. Now it's just a line item on your economics, and it makes the lower band of economic projects uneconomical. I mean, and this is where I get pushback from heart, you probably from you and people hardcore people on the right. I think carbon tax is probably the only way to actually solve emissions from a true level. Now, I'm not saying a thousand dollars per metric ton, but somewhere in that ten to twenty dollars range, probably where it needs to be to be honest with you and it's being inadvertently taxed already considering what companies are having to do and report but in Canada it's different again part of it is is this new tax they're trying to apply is basically doubling down. They've had a carbon tax in British Columbia for 14 years. So again, I'm with Rex here. This new law is probably a money grab. What I think the more important, in my opinion, overarching fact about this is, is I'm actually probably more for carbon taxes than I am cap and trade, if only because it's just simp- it's much more simpler to roll out. And I prefer simple over complex. I don't know what you think, Stu. I think it's a money grab, period.
1: In this situation. But let's step back for the real question. Carbon tax, carbon markets. What do you prefer? Both are equally gameable. And I think that the only way that you're going to do this is through a true plan of not having any taxes associated with it, but rather doing the best that is meeting physics and fiscally. If you meet physics, fiscally and ecologically, you will solve all that problem without any taxes. I'll you know, take put, that. Put that put day. that on a t-shirt, folks. We're going to leave. Think it about that. it. What was it? What can you say those three again? I need if that on a t-shirt. Fiscally, ecologically?
0: I don't even know what that means, but I'm down.
1: Ecologically, if you do it ecologically and you do the lowest cost impact or lowest impact to the environment, that's natural gas. Uh that's nuclear. Uh you know, the, the, and you take a look at those kind of things. So it's ecologically, fiscally, what was the other one? I don't know. It was good. good. I'll have to go play the tape. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to our favorite guy on our favorite
0: random guy on Substack, David Blackman. What's he got?
1: Oh man. I love me some David Blackman. He is one cool cat is the green energy transition falling off the rails. And I, I think that there is. And, um, Miss Producer, if you could fly in this video, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. This is about a one-minute video, so bear with us. For our podcast listeners, you're going to hear the Benny Hill song. And when you're done with it, so bear with us here. It's about 30 seconds to a minute. We'll just have it flying around for a second. So here we go. you like that trucker and everybody else dragging those people out of the uk they were people trying to stop oil just stop oil and people are tired of it so this is the uk david blackman was talking about a worldwide kind of thing and i think that video pretty much sums it up is people are getting tired of it but david goes in and says there's much typed energy transition is starting to crumble at its foundation. They've seen the following. These are key motor. Uh, Ford Motor wants its investors to lose $4.5 in 2023. China has commissioned another 50 gigawatts of coal-fired plants. Brits have led by Prime Minister uh, beginning to back away from aggressive transition timelines. They're getting all grumpy, and then people are getting all thrown around on this because they can't afford it. The Scottish government forced to admit had facilitated the felling of sixteen million trees. You can't buy that one. We had a couple stories go sixty thousand views a day on those things.
0: Yeah, that was that's the best article we've ever had on the energy news beat. Scotts- Scotland cuts down sixteen million. I remember I was in Dallas moving here. It was a little over a year ago. Right. right. That was- Less over a year ago, I remember sitting in the airport watching the stats just go off because we had hundred thousand users reading about the Scottish government. So, no, I think what what this article does a really great job of, Stu, is summarizing how it really in this last couple weeks we've seen a huge shift to you know what I would call smoke. When there's smoke, there's fire. You're starting to see drips and drabs of people coming out and saying. Oh, renewables, this British government, this German coal act, you know, mining for new coal, well, Scotland forced to admit Japan government firing up coal again. all of these little things. And you start piecing the tea leaves together for what could be an eventual swing towards what we've always said, natural gas, which is right. probably the transition fuel, you know, until we get fusion ready.
1: Well, what we're seeing is there's about two or three things that are coming around a corner that people need to look out for. A couple of articles that I'll uh, talk about tomorrow. U.S. is now looking at a recession by the end of this year, beginning of next year. And the global economy is also looking to roll into that uh, recession period. And uh, when people are starting to get worried about it, the number one reason is energy. Or management energy when people start getting all grumped out and they start getting drug around by the these truckers in that video <laughs> it's absolutely a hoot we're about to see more of that michael and god bless david blackman i love david he has a way of articulating it everybody follow him on his sub stack yeah that's about it for me thanks for letting me rant
0: yeah no absolutely uh pack show um before i go ahead and dive into uh Uh, The oil and gas markets for the day, guys, um, we're pumped to announce um, a new sponsor. Um, Reese Energy Consulting. um, This is somebody who we've worked with. We've worked with their team multiple times. Uh, We really love them. Uh, Reese Energy Consulting, they're your oil, natural gas, and NGL midstream partner. They do everything, guys. Midstream marketing, project management, anything around that game, they're the best. Steve Reese, the guy who runs that, absolute great guy, Stu. I know you're, you're, you're really close with Steve. We're pumped to have them on as part of a sponsor guys. So check them out. Reese energy consulting.com. You can look up Steve Reese um, on LinkedIn. One of the best LinkedIn follows Um, you can get um, again, guys, that's Reese energy consulting.com. I mean, great day, Stu, for the markets. I mean, we've got a 5 million barrel build in the crude oil reserves or in the in the crude oil reserves, excluding the SBR, which normally would be bearish. Yet we see a 2023 high up to 84.23. You know, if you Google, uh, Reuters would tell you um, mainly... What's coming out is we've got tightening um, fuel supplies, which is a.k.a. if we've got refinery tension that begins to work its way backwards and eventually hits oil prices, considering people see what's coming down the pipeline. Also, OPEC plus has come out and reaffirmed and specifically the Saudi cabinet has signaled, hey, yes, September's ago. We might even see more. And this could be something we push all the way to the end of the year. Again, it's you know, this is not a good term to think about when we, when you know, This has been since debunked in the world of economics, but the idea of the laugh laugher curve, Stu, was the idea of how much revenue versus how many people are paying uh, revenue in terms of how much taxes the government would get. And there was this. Economist I think his name was James Laffer, Jim Laffer. He worked for the Reagan administration and basically came up with the concept of this curve, which showed if you lower taxes but increase the taxable base, you actually raise revenues. The same concept Saudi works with here. They can actually cut oil, see a rise in prices and see a subsequent rise in their revenue, even while cutting back on oil and gas. So, you know, think of it as the Saudi laugher curve, as we would like to call it. Wow. So, well, fun, good. you know, you, I'll spl- learn something a little bit new today. Laffer curve. Now, if so, someone who knows what they're talking about is listening to this like, well, that's been debunked multiple times. It has, but it works in this situation. So just play along with me there. Next up, um, I thought was interesting, Stu. You know, we, we, we've seen some earnings continue to roll out Um, actually, before I get into that, natural gas was up to two dollars and ninety-six cents again, off at insane future heat. You know, we're sitting here, it's 103 right now. The outlook is just gonna continue to be hot, hot, hot. All those weather models continue to be bullish. You know, we might, we might, by the time show closed tomorrow, Stu, we might see three dollar natural gas would be absolutely unbelievable considering most of that stuff that's coming out of MidCon and and East Texas is high beat MMBTU gas, which means we get a nice premium. Over MCF, so you know, depending on where you at in the country, you begin to see this. So natural gas going through a little of uh, a bullish streak. If you do see me move over and start working for Goldman Sachs, just understand once it tanks again, I will be back right here in the show. I thought it was uh, this was really interesting, Stu. We saw today I, there was a few earnings that dropped. Nothing I thought that was you know we know we we saw Crescent Point or uh, Crescent Point drop earnings. We saw who did else did we see today? Let me let me go back here, Stu. We saw a few n- nothing interesting though. Enter Plus announced. Results, nothing to port Crescent Energy, as I mentioned, uh, Talos drop, nothing interesting there. What I thought was interesting, though, Stu, was specifically we, we talk about MA deals and how they happen behind the scenes. Well, when an MA doesn't happen around uh, behind the scenes, you can go public. And that's exactly what's happened right now. White Hawk Energy, a smaller mineral shop, is Attempting to propose a combination with Phoenix Minerals in a stock for stock transaction, and they're going public with it. So shout out IR guy of the week. What's his name? j J Slaughterback, whitehawkenergy.com Nice. Going pu- I mean, I know he's the IR guy of the week, but basically what they're trying to say is they are they are attempting and they've sent multiple letters to say, hey, we should combine. We you'll hold 61 percent of the new pro forma company and White Hawk Minerals will receive a one time 20 cents per uh, cash dividend. Yeah, it's probably a cash grab for the White Hawk guys. They probably are trying to finance college. You know, it's getting expensive. Now, you can't, you know, sending your kids to Harvard, you know, no scholarship ain't cheap. You know, you might need to cash out for 20 cents on the dollar. I, I kid mostly, um, they, they, they announce you know, they basically say that this new pro forma company, um, is going to have, you know, about 850, would have 850,000 gross units, save about 4 million of GNA per year. Yeah. Cut salaries, baby. We call that layoffs, baby. Next, an increase of stockholder payout, which is again, all of the white Hawk mineral guys, 50 to 60% of distributable cash and we'll increase the dividend by over 100%. Okay. Cash. Cash grab, media accretion to Phoenix Distributable Cash Flow again, handout to the investor, handout to management, accelerated conversion to an even an increased weighting in mineral and royalty assets. Interesting there, a larger company with more liquid stock. Aha! now we know. Cat, it all comes down to money. Liquids. They slipped that in in the last one. They slipped that in on the last one. Good. IR guy of the week, what Jay Slaughterback, nice, my friend. You see what they're going for there. A larger company with more liquid side. It's a cash grab, folks. It's a cash grab. Now, I'm all for it. If I was on the White Hawk side, I'd do it. There's probably a reason they had to go public with this offer because behind the scenes didn't work because Phoenix looks at this as is like, well, this is just a cash grab. Yeah, oops. Look at the quote from Daniel Hertz, Whitehawk chairman and chief executive officer while we have been disappointed with the engagement to date, just stop there. This isn't going to work. This is a Hail Mary at the five yard line. This probably won't work. And if it does good for you. I doubt it though. I thought this was funny before we let people go, Stu, you know, it's all headed downhill. There's this great Jim, Jim Kramer meme where it's, (laughs) sell, 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 sell. Civitas today announced the appointment of Jeff Kelly as Chief transformation officer retroactive to August 3rd, 2023. Oh my goodness. Stu. Did you say the he, chief trans what I said, chief transformation officer? Oh, cause that's what they need. That's what Civitas need. They don't need to, you know, now, what he's really brought in to do is lead the integration of its recent acquisitions, the Permian base. He's going to be responsible for establishing a high performance organization, inspiring innovation to improve effectiveness and align stakeholders to help achieve the company's vision. I had to, sorry, I had to like stop puking before I threw up, (laughs) you know, you know, it's over. You know, if I, if I, if I was giving you investment advice and I don't remember, I don't give investment advice. I would sell, 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 sell. (laughs) 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 for no other reason that they have a chief transformation officer I, I mean it's just what's that got to do with it and you guess we're used to work Stu. he most recently i've never heard
1: of a chief trans- group sweet i've never heard of a chief transition officer or trans officer or whatever i've never heard
0: transformation chief well, transformation officer we're going to transform us into a better version of ourselves theoretically right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> luck with that yeah a rut. good luck good luck with that yeah I'm gonna, he's he's brought in so that when they he, he's brought in I mean what what's funny is civitas at some point they go buy all this permian Basin acreage well what does that mean for their Colorado stuff are they eventually attempting to exit Colorado are they looking to offload their Colorado
1: and go all to the permian? I would I would can you blame them no I would exit I noticed you're not in Colorado anymore. Greatest state in the union. I mean, I'd
0: love to be back there. I'm literally in this chair. I'm sweating right now. I've got the AC on at 65.
1: I'm still sweating. It was till everybody moved from California.
0: I know I'm, I am part of it. I will tell you this though. I did recently get a bonus. I'm very glad I'm in Texas. Tell you what, I'm very glad I'm in Texas. I'll tell you that much. We love us some Texans. Ah, love it. I don't own property, so I I I don't get I don't get screwed on the back end. uh So yes, Civitas Chief Transformation Officer. Ooh, yikes. Um, you got anything else, Stu?
1: No, we got a lot coming around the corner. I think people are going to see more ESG uh waking up. Supposedly more finance people okay. are tired of losing money, and uh, we're just going to be all, all over that news. We will be all over it, guys. We appreciate you checking us out. The world's greatest energy
0: podcast. Um, we got our um, weekly recap, which is now going to come on Saturday. So as you're listening to this tomorrow, you can hear our our, our new revised schedule. We're going to uh, yep. start releasing Stu's long-form podcast on Friday. So who you got this Friday? Who are you releasing
1: on Friday? Uh, Genevieve, uh, and she is... She is a very good uh let me pull it right up I'm, here I'm 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 fascinated by it. she's just she, quite even she's very good
0: guys that's all Genevieve, you need to know Genevieve on Friday
1: Collins she is the AFP uh Texas State Director and uh it's a very very good interview all
0: firearms and tobacco baby
1: absolutely no it's about uh, getting america back on our feet again it's really good so check it out guys will greatest podcast
0: energy news beat we appreciate you guys checking us out you'll hear us tomorrow you'll hear Stu friday you'll hear the weekly crap Uh, weekly recap on um, Saturday weekly crap (laughs) depending on what you think of our takes it could be the weekly crap Um, um, and then you'll hear us back on Monday for the next week guys appreciate you sticking with us so far Um, we will see you Monday